if you're not failing, it means that you are not pushing hard enough. And unfortunately, I have to say you would be trapped in your comfort zone. And that is exactly where we hold you back from growing in your career. Hey everyone, I am Rish and welcome to Inspired, the podcast, the community featuring inspiring people across numerous disciplines with passion to share their wisdom with us. In each episode, I will have insightful and fun conversations with inspiring people on their professional journey, their successes, struggles, lessons learned and much more. I am pumped today uh, for today's episode and welcome today's guest who is a passionate product leader. Uh, with over 10 years of experience in agile teams, product management, and he's a big believer in sharing learnings and learning from everyone uh, with over 150 plus articles on Medium and over 38K followers, head of product at Virtual Identity and also co-author of Agile Product Manifesto. I would like to welcome David on today's episode of Inspired. David, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited for our conversation. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here and share some of my learnings and exchange with you. Uh, there are so many things I want to discuss with you and you know learn from you. Uh, I wish I had more time, <laughs> but I would take whatever time I can get from you. Uh, so today uh, we would discuss about how product managers uh, deliver value, how they can deliver value for the business early and often, uh, which is something we keep talking about. Uh, you know what separates great product managers from good product managers, uh, difference between product owners, product managers, and how to effectively implement Scrum for product success. And also talk about Agile Product Manifesto and career tips. And I know Agile Man- Product Manifesto is something that came very recently. Uh, but before getting into any of these topics, I would like to go through your journey first. I believe you started off your journey as computer into computer technique technician i guess and then moved into software engineering and then in product management so it'll be great if you can take us through your journey so far and uh, if you can share some pivotal moments in your career uh, which led into product you into product management sure sure yeah it's like steve jobs said you can only connect the dots when you look backwards so not after some point in time i could see some dots uh and I would say the first of all is about curiosity. So when I was in the high school, I really enjoyed computer and like I had some course on Microsoft Excel and I enjoyed quite a lot creating macros and all of these kind of things and so on. But I was just a student and a friend of mine started working and just a computer store and, and he was 17, I was also 17. And I want to work there also. It was cool. He said, I'm like a, just assembling computers and preparing and so on. And then I went to the place and I said, I want to work here. And the, the, the store owner said, like, what do you know about computers? I said, actually, I only know about Excel and the things. But here we are assembling computers. I said, yeah, I don't care. I can learn fast. Just give me a chance. And, you know, if it doesn't work, you just fire me. But I can learn fast. Give me a chance. And he said, like, he felt excited about my enthusiasm and he gave me a chance. And that's when I started working with, like, computers, so to say. And that was 
uh, like a computer store and internet provider. So I learned about networks, I learned about computer and many things back then. But I didn't know exactly what to do with my career. And life is full of surprise. That was one of the first surprise. I wanted to, 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 uh, to take some time to think what I would do. And funny enough, with this uh, friend of mine, uh, we went to a concert in the neighbor, uh, uh, the neighbor uh, city. And there, actually, we, we couldn't drive back then. And we lost our ride. Our friend had, had a fight with his fiance. And we had to go to, to the bus station and, and figure out how to go back home. We were in another town. And then I saw a poster. And the poster was like a computer technician, something like this, industrial computing. And I look at that, and it was a, a technical course. I said, I can't imagine doing that. And then I was imagining. That triggered something in my mind. And that's when I finished like the high school, and I went to subscribe for this technical course, like it was between like a, the high school and the bachelor. Uh, and then I did this. So that was my first contact with software development, and I really liked this. And back then, I was still working with like computer maintenance and trying to do some software development. And it's funny because I came to, like, let's say my boss, and I said, I want to stay here, but I want this salary. And then he looked at me and said, like, uh, you're not good enough for the salary you want. And the salary I want back then, if I convert to... To, uh, to, to dollars would be like $200. So that is the seller wanted to stay. And he said, I was not good enough for that. So I searched for something else. And then I, I got the chance to work with software development. Mm -hmm. and, and that is where I started like getting in touch with product management for the first time, but I didn't know that yet. And one of the things in my journey as a software developer was, uh, that I learned is, People uh, like outside the product were defining what we would do that would impact the others. But it was a political game. So like stakeholders would define, like let's say the higher the level, the bigger the stake you would have in, uh, in the roadmap. And that was quite annoying me because I couldn't see the, the value my job would bring. And I was always challenging. And I realized that when I asked one question, people became resistant. And the question was quite simple. So like, okay, I can do it. I understand what you want, but why? And then the why generally got, because the boss of my boss wants that done. I said, but that is not the why connected to value. So back then I didn't use the word value, but I said, I cannot understand how this will help the company. I, I want to understand this. And I, I was seeking for understanding. And then nobody was giving me this answer. I said, I will figure that out. And then I, I was working in a factory. Uh, we were like a, producing, let's say, car parts, like a, a harnesses and batteries and so on. So I went to the factory employees and I said, we are thinking of building this. I'm wondering how would that help you become more productive? And his, uh, some people look at me, that won't help me become more productive. That will actually make me more inefficient. 
I said, ah, okay. Then I asked the same question to like five, 10 more people. And I got the same answer. I said, for sure, this is wrong. And then I said, okay, tell me what kind of problems you have. And then they were walking me through and I found some patterns. And I was young, I was like 21, 22. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna just try. And then I started trying to do what the factory employees were telling me instead of what was in the roadmap. I realized that increased efficiency. And at some point in time, like my, my manager came to me and said, we are very proud of what you're doing. The efficiency of our company is growing. So congratulations. So now let's evaluate our roadmap. Uh, did you deliver on time? So he was looking at on budget, on time and on scope. I said, actually, I didn't look at the roadmap. Then it was a crash. I said, wow, how can you do that? And so on. That, that, that is insane. We had agreed with the top management and so on. So I said, yeah, I asked people. They told me it wouldn't help them. So I tried to do what would help them. So that's what I did. And I said, no, you cannot do that. You're not allowed to do this. Uh, there's a, like a committee deciding on the roadmap. I said, well, I don't know. I heard that productivity is the most important. So I tried to figure out what productivity is and how to increase that. But this was annoying me because it was a fight all the time. Uh, and in this company, it was uh, a small town called Paraisópolis in the south of Brazil, uh, southwest of Brazil. But I still needed to figure out what to do. And back then I was doing computer science in parallel. So I was working as a developer and studying in parallel. And then I finished my bachelor and I wanted to improve my English because I didn't speak English well back then. And unfortunately, I didn't have enough money to study abroad. So that was a trap. And then I said, what can I do right now? So my, but I have enough money to study uh, in Brazil and do an immersion course. So I went to a place to improve my English. It was a seven days course. And it was like something like this. You're not allowed to speak any word in Portuguese. You must speak English every day. And then by the end of the course, you make a presentation to evaluate how you improved your language skill. And by then I decided to present something I was doing at work. I said, okay, that is, uh, it's easier for me and I would try to do that. And I didn't know actually professionally what the other participants were. So I just knew their names and so on. So we exchanged on English. I didn't know anything personally about them. Then after my presentation, uh, like I shared what I was doing for work. One guy came to me and said, I like how you talk. I would like to exchange with you afterward. And I didn't know he was an executive in Sao Paulo and he was a C-level in a company there. And what he told me, like uh, he was play, playing the CEO role as an interim back then. And he said, Honestly, I am a finance guy. I understand about controlling, I understand about finance, and I have no idea about IT. And I think all these guys uh, about our IT department are fooling me. But I like how we speak. You make complex things very simple. I understand what you try to say, and I want you to work with me. And I said, well, that, that is del delighting what you're saying. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, and I said, I'm a software developer. What would you expect from me? I said, no, I don't want you as a software developer. I want you as a product owner. I said, well, that's cool. The only problem is I have no idea what the product owner is. 
And then he said, would you be willing to try? I said, well, if you trust me, I will figure it out. I, I think uh, I, cannot, I can give it a try. I was young. I said, what, what is the worst thing that I can have? I go, I try something, doesn't work. I need to go back. So I said, what is bad on that? So, so, uh, and then I, it's the moment I moved from Brazil to, uh, to, not from Brazil, from the south of Brazil to Sao Paulo, from a town of 20,000 people to Sao Paulo with 20 million, which was a big change. And that is my that was my first contact with product management itself, so to say, uh, within a title. Uh, and then the hard way I had to figure out what product owner was. I hit the wall many times. In the beginning, I was a was bridging communication. I thought I had to understand business stakeholders, get the needs behind, uh, and then help developers implement. So I was bridging communication. And within time, I figured out that that was not what the role was about and I started changing and developing. And another point I said, like one of the dots I had, one is the curiosity and then like uh, finding opportunities. And the other was failing. I, I had an interview with booking.com. I was quite, quite proud of myself. They invited me. I was in Brazil and they wanted me to be a, a candidate for product manager position in Amsterdam. Uh, first round with the recruiter was amazing and uh, I gained more confidence and then I had the technical round and it would be two more and then I would fly to Amsterdam and have a personal interview well the second one it didn't work and I felt we were talking about different things because actually I didn't know how to answer the questions not at all but then I asked for feedback in the end I said I think this interview didn't go well and I'm aware of that, but I would like to learn what missed. And then the person told me, like, you were very good at execution, but it implies someone defines a strategy and you didn't show any ability about strategy, like defined goals, defining outcomes, how to measure results. And then I figured out I had to develop on that. And that is the moment I, I stepped back and I started reflecting and said, yeah, that's true. I'm too focused on execution. I need to change my perspective. And then I wanted to move to a startup to be like, on, on a, because the company I moved to Sao Paulo was a company of 5,000 people acquired by a, a bigger company. And it was a conglomerate after all with 100,000 people, totally different. Then I moved to a startup with 30 people. And there I had to be accountable from end to end. So I had to, uh, then I learned about product management. And there is the moment I started understanding the importance of strategy, vision, and defining KPIs, measuring results, inspecting and adapt, and the lean startup and all of this. And then I worked for several startups until everything was going super well in Brazil and uh, I was growing my career. And I received an offer to come to Germany that was another pivoting moment in my career. And I asked myself, what would happen if I stay in Brazil for the next five years? And what would happen if I go to Europe? And the second part, I didn't know. And I said, well, I'm curious, so I'm going to go there and check it out. And here I am after four and a half years. I still don't know, five years, but many things happened. I moved 
to uh, this is the third company I'm working. Uh, I got uh, a position where I'm leading a team of a product managers, a 15 in total. So I moved from being like, let's say, an annoying software developer, like questioning everything, now uh, to leading a team of product managers. And uh, on top of that, I'm always ex exchanging, sharing on media, LinkedIn, and learning from many people. So in short, mainly that's what happened in 15 years of career. Super. Uh, really happy to know how your first role in product ownership or product management came out to be from from you learning English and then connecting uh, with exec. And I think that was a big pivotal moment, as I understand, uh, from you like transitioning into uh, from software into product. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, like the as you mentioned, you used to share learning your learnings in forms of articles. And there are so many great articles you have written on the role of product owners and how to be a, be a successful one. Uh, now, if you have to condense all of that uh, and your learnings as to what product managers should do or not do to deliver business value early and often, what would that be? The first thing is don't let confidence drive your decision accept your ignorance. So that is the first, I believe. It's uh, the most important. It's like, whatever we want to do, we don't know until we get evidence. So first thing, set a vision. And then from the vision, you can come up with a business model or whatever, but then you name your assumptions to figure out how you can learn. And everything is about learning. And many people would use the word failure and try to avoid failure and actually, Failure is just a step towards success. So I learned that for me, when I was confident, I failed. And when I embraced my lack of knowledge, I could create evidence that helped me avoid massive failures because everyone is going to fail small uh, with product management in order to succeed. So I think that's the most important part. Uh, accelerating our learning time and adapting according to evidence we create. Yeah, that, that's true. I could relate to some of the instances in my career as well, as you were mentioning about it, especially like for me, uh, I think I also do better when I am less confident because I challenge myself more. Uh, and uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, is you mentioned about like confidence, but are there any other attitude changes as well? Like a PM would need to do specifically say what would separate a great PM from a good PM and the ones that will can deliver business value early and often. Are there like some traits which will be like this are tra these are the traits for a good PM, but in order to be a great PM, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Great PMs are leaders, not followers. So they will challenge whatever is wrong, whatever it's uh, like, uh, it's not contributing to creating value. Let's say stakeholders say, I want this delivered by tomorrow. A great PM will not follow that. We challenge trying to understand because he wants to lead the team in creating value. He doesn't want to like manage the team to fulfill requests from stakeholders. I'm not saying that stakeholders are bad. Stakeholders are just not the client. They are partners. They should enable us to create value. 
So it's different. It's a different relation. So one is like you need to be a leader and you need to be very good in making decisions because it's like you don't postpone decision. Of course, you should uh, like whenever you have data available, use data to back up your decision. And if you don't have data available, you make the decision anyway, and then you figure out how to create the data to improve your decisions. So a good PM is like a leader, a good decision maker, and an outstanding communicator. Because communication, like you will talk to different people in different level, and you need to adapt to their scenario. So when you're talking to C-level, you need to be super good in condensing your message to only what is relevant to them. When you're talking to a stakeholder, maybe you need to help them understand. And even when you're talking to users, actually, you should listen. You should not talk. You should be listening more. And when you talk to product teams, you should provide context and empower them so that they can make decisions and help you. So you need to outstanding communication. I think that these are the, the, the key uh, skills. And about leadership, the ability to inspire. Because uh, inspire people to achieve goals that, that uh, motivate them to figure out how to solve this and so on, instead of just giving them a bunch of tasks and saying, yeah, that's what I expected to deliver. So inspire them, uh, that is critical. You brought up a point about leadership specifically and also the product teams. Uh, and there are different roles that would sit in a product team and a leader will have to navigate and work with them uh, within an Agile or Scrum team, right? And they all play a critical role in realizing this business value. Uh, what are the roles that you think, apart from a PM, you know, that play a really crucial role? Uh, in helping the business win and realizing the benefits? Yeah, that is quite interesting question because uh, it depends a lot on, on the scenario. But I think everyone should feel accountable for delivering in the project to success. So I think, for example, it's in a product team, you would have UX designers, you would have software engineering, uh, quality assurance, and it, it depends. But everyone should be able to connect their work to, to the vision and understand, like, it's not about doing uh, the perfect user journey, like, just to have that in your portfolio, but it's about figuring out what would be natural for the user to create an outstanding journey for the user as in UX. And the software developer shouldn't be thinking, I want to ensure my code doesn't have problems should be thinking like, which phase are we in the product? Are we in a phase that we are trying to prove market fit? So in this moment, the code should be uh, actually as bad as possible to like to create, to prove the idea. And it's the moment like you create a lot of technical debt because you don't know if that would work. And then once you prove it work, then you make the code scalable, but you don't make scalables from the beginning. So I think the roles are, are, are combination. So product managers would be the ones defining the direction and where to go. And the other roles like UX and software engineering would make that possible in a combination. Uh, so th this is what I, I see as highly valuable, the interaction and collaboration between the multiple disciplines and functioning as a single team, a single unit moving toward the same direction.
Yeah, I really like the point that you made about how software developers should be thinking because uh, most of the time they are thinking about just the code, right? Like as you mentioned, it needs to be a bug-free code, it needs to be performant. But tying it to the business, what phase we are in, definitely is is another way to think or a better way to think as a software developer. Uh, and as we talk about product managers. Uh, or the work being done in a product team. There's also a concept of like product owners or product managers, which are sometimes used, uh, you know, hand in hand or synonymously, but there's definitely a difference that I, at least I know. Uh, so it will be great if you can help us unpack the difference between the roles of a product owner or versus a role of a product manager, how they differ. Mm -hmm. That is a kind of tricky question because it depends who you ask. So for me, it should be no difference in a, in a proper scenario. For, for me, it's a title, but I have one particularity on this, which I say like, like how many drivers do you have in a bus? It's one bus, one driver. So one product, one product lead. And it would be either a product manager or a product owner. But that entails many things. It entails that the product manager is empowered to make decisions. And the product manager can also empower the team to make decisions. So it's a team that is already prepared to take responsibilities on how to achieve goals instead of how to deliver functionalities and so on. In this case, I would say it's one person from end to end. And the advantage is you are responsible for strategy, defining the right thing to do, and execution, doing the thing right. And you can only do that when you have a cross-functional team who is accountable for results. But this is an optimal scenario, and we know reality doesn't go like that all the time. And then in this case, the companies tend to put another person there being like the product manager is the one responsible for defining the right thing to do and the product owner is responsible for doing the thing right. This is the most common I see in the market and the product owner works very close with the software engineers and also UX and so on the implementation and the product manager works for the future looking like which hypothesis do we need to validate what we know and so on. So one is working on the now and the other is working on the future. This can work well when there is like seniority on both levels, but there is a threat, which is the lack of accountability. Because let's say the, the automated implemented solution didn't deliver the value. The product manager can say, that's not what I envisioned. So execution was poorly. And the product owner can say, well, the strategy was poorly defined. We just executed. So it becomes like a blame game. So I think like to start, it's like too utopic to think a team can start with one person end to end. It's a lot of responsibility, but the goal should be to have one person accountable from end to end because product owner is a role inside Scrum and it's best filled by a product manager. But what comes as a trap is because teams scaling, many companies decide to use safe. Uh, which is the scaled agile framework. And I give a nickname to that I call as the undercover waterfall agent. The reason for that is because I see it's a highly prescriptive framework 
So the product, the safe product owner is different than the scrum product owner. And in this case, it's a limiting role. So it's a bit confusing. Uh, but I, I that, that's what I wanted to say. One bus, one driver in an optimal scenario, empowering all the sides. Uh, if that's not the case, try to make responsibilities clear, but just ensure not to create a service provider relationship. Start, ensure to create a, a partnership between both. Then it can work well. Right. It's critical to have a good partnership between product managers and product uh, owner, uh, as you mentioned. I, I didn't know, like, uh, and it was uh, it's kind of a new learning for me, the way this Scrum product owner is different than a safe product owner so that's something new for me i've worked in safe but maybe the way we were implementing was pretty much similar uh, so i didn't see a lot of difference and talking about scrum and talking about implementation uh, different organizations they implement scrum in different way uh, and i'm i don't think like all the implementations work or have worked successfully in all the scenarios uh, uh, because different different businesses they work differently and uh, so what would you say how can organizations implement scrum to ensure product success is there a way you would say you know this is the right way to do it or you'll say every in every scenario it depends and you'll have to tailor it what works for you i think there is one very important aspect to do it correct Many companies fail because they, they try to improve the uh, output. So they want to increase predictability. They want to accelerate results, but results for them is output in this case. So this is the, the wrong expectation with Scrum because in this case, leadership still wants to define what to be done instead of defining what to achieve. In this case, Scrum will descend into a kind of a water scrum fall it will and teams will become feature factory teams will work day in day out to deliver feature and then the scrum will never reach its highest potential the right way of uh, doing scrum is understanding why do we want to do scrum and if why is as you said to go into a product or an organization create value faster then i like evaluating like how do we set roadmaps that is the, the first question i ask companies and when they say we set roadmaps and the management level and teams follow say here's the first thing to tackle what about setting goals and agreeing with teams on key results and agreeing with teams it means that there's an overlap the team comes with the key result and also for the team is about accountability the team will be responsible for the key result and that will contribute to the objective so I, I think it is a, it, there is a need of changing the mindset. And the mindset needs to move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And the growth mindset requires empowerment and requires also moving from pre predictability to uncertainty. So we embrace uncertainty and we inspect and adapt. Because what happens quite often is companies try to use processes to prevent errors. And that would be totally fine in aviation and healthcare because you don't want people to die. But in digital product development, actually you want innovation. And if you put process to prevent errors, actually you end up preventing innovation 
And I don't think companies want that. So it's about re reviewing the mindset and ensure that you have the right ingredients in place. Then you can put Scrum or you can put Kanban or whatever framework. But if you don't address the mindset, it doesn't matter the framework you're going to choose. All of them will become the same. Yeah, I can relate to it. In one of the implementations that I have seen or I have worked is, uh, as you mentioned, about curbing innovation because there are so many processes and then you just abide by that, which in, in digital world, you want to embrace innovation and have processes which uh, allows us to do innovation. And I can now relate like where we were going wrong and what we were doing wrong, uh, certainly not the best <laughs> implementation of uh, Scrum, I would say. Uh, I was also reading about uh, Agile product manifesto recently that you have co-authored and it's really interesting. Uh, why do you think there was a need for Agile product manifesto uh, and how does it differ from Agile man manifesto um, and help? how would it help the teams? Yeah, I used to be a big fan of Agile Manifesto and they followed that like with all of my heart for years of my life. And I realized that I was falling into many traps all the way. And honestly, I felt that was a problem. Uh, but then I felt uh, I, I fell into traps uh, in one company and then in another, then in another. Then I started observing more people falling into the same traps and more and more. And then I decided to start sharing my ideas, my learning. So that is the reason I started writing. I wanted to share my learnings because I noticed when I talk to people on one-on-one, they benefit from that. So what if I could put available to everyone, more people could benefit. And then funny enough, I noticed almost everyone was falling the same traps as I was. Then I, I stepped back and then I said, which guidance do we have for product management nowadays? I know there are many nice books out there, like uh, Inspired by Kagan, Escaping from Build Trap, and so on. But they are extensive, and you need to read them and get all of the principles and so on. It's not something you can like just read and compare to your scenario. It will take a while. I was thinking, if I look at the Java Manifest and compare it to how we work, and then I started looking at some of the principles. I said, working software, for example, is a pr uh, primary measure of progress. I said, it doesn't reflect to our reality. Software can be working, can continue to deliver feature, and doesn't mean it's creating value because all features are useless until they create value for end users. And then I'd look, business people working uh, day in, day out, something like this with uh, software developers. So that makes sense if they have a common goal and they respect that. If they are just working day in, day out, they will continue to create useless things. And then I thought, okay, Agile Manifesto was created 20 years ago. It was created by developers for developers. And it was created to revolutionize the software industry. And it did, and it did well. But what we need now is not to revolutionize the software industry. We need to change the product industry. So that is why I thought we need to know like what would be the values we need to live up to and the principles we should follow that would put us in a better place that we are right now. And that's why I came with the idea with the Agile product manifesto and they got together with more people, uh, more product leaders um, 
in Europe and the US to come up with ideas. Uh, and that's why what we shared. And what we believed was just, it's a tool, it, it's, a, it's a manifesto that we expect teams to step back from whatever they're doing and asking, does it make sense? Do we follow these values? Simplicity over perfection. Do we take stakeholders' opinion or end users' needs? Do we have a, do you know the problem we're solving? Do we validate our assumptions? Just to challenge whatever they are doing and try it different. So I wanted to make them aware of a problem and then figure out how to do it. So that is the reason I came with the agile product manifest because what is happening, at least in Europe, it's quite scary. It's a lot of waste. A lot of uh, teams focus on processes, creating many things nobody needs and following process. I said, I think it's time to step back and really create a revolution for the product industry. Yeah, I think it was the need of the hour uh, that we focused on. And I, I found it really interesting. And thanks for, you know, uh, putting that together and sharing it with the world uh, so that we can learn. Uh, you mentioned about Agile Manifesto that was created around 20 years uh, ago. Uh, and now, say in 2022, now we have seen Agile Product Manifesto that you put together. Uh, things keep changing and, 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 you know, it'll keep on changing as we grow more digitally. Uh, do you think this product manifesto is also going to be changed or be refined or adapted to the changing world of development and how we develop uh, softwares or, or like digital uh, entities? I think change is the only certainty we have. And what I talked to the other co-authors, we will get together every three months and reflect on our learnings and uh, continuously suggest change. We want to reflect on learnings, not on opinions. That's what we said. Like if someone said, I think this is not going to work. I think I said that, unfortunately, I cannot connect. I want people telling me, I tried this and that's the result I got. And here is what I want to do. So the more we observe, I think we will reflect. So we don't expect that to be something live unchanged for 20 years as the Agile Manifesto was. We expect to get together based on feedback and learning and continuously adapt and release new versions to the community. So it's not something that will remain unchangeable because it's not how the world is. Which is great. Uh, as you get feedback from the people who would start using it and implementing it, there would be more refinements, uh, I believe, then that will come to the product, HL product manifesto. Uh, and I know you as a person, you're always up for learnings and, you know, and then adapting to it. Uh, so it, I would also appreciate if you can share your learnings in terms of uh, your career growth uh, with your with the community. So any advice that you would want to give to product owners, uh, both from experienced product owner perspective and product owners who are starting new in this domain, if you have to give any advice to them based on your experience. I think uh, the most important is feedback, uh, I would say. And, you know, like nowadays, everything we do, we receive feedback electronically. You send a message on WhatsApp and then you see the second thing. Message is sent, you know that. And then if someone reads a message, it gets blue. And, and then you understand. So everything you do, there's a feedback. You press a button, 
there, there's a click and you see uh, the button was pressed. But when we do things in life, people don't give you feedback and you don't know if you're doing the right thing. But you don't even ask for feedback. And you also don't give feedback to people. And feedback is the way of learning. And what I encourage product owners, product managers, and everyone actually in, a, in the product world is to evolve with, uh, within feedback loops. For example, asking for feedback, giving feedback, receiving feedback, reformulating, learning, because that can be quite revealing. Uh, I think biggest change in my career happened because of feedback I received. And many people told me, I'm grateful you could give me this feedback. I know uh, it is not easy to give feedback because the feedback needs to be candid. And uh, it's not about hurting people, but it's about helping them see how they can improve. And maybe what I think is right, the other is not working for the other person, but I will never know if the person doesn't tell me. So feedback is critical. Feedback from end users, feedback from stakeholders, feedback from everyone. And that's how you evolve. It's kind of uh, uncovered because, because, you know, there's these quadrants like knowns and unknowns. And the truth is it's, we simply don't know what we don't know. That's true. And how do, exactly, how do you uncover that? Once you learn how to uncover what you don't know, is the moment that you can unleash your power. You can grow. Right. And as you said, it's easier said than done. Uh, giving feedback and also receiving feedback. Uh, like one has to have a very open mind to receive feedback as well. That, you know, this is not on me personally, but this is on things I can improve in my work uh, to be a better professional. So uh, it's 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 easier uh, to say that, you know, feedback loop needs to be there but uh, it has to be both someone who's giving the feedback needs to be open in giving that feedback in a, in a way which is more receptive and easily communicated and has uh, and has a power of that feedback but also someone who's receiving it to you know implement that in a way to so that they can improve uh, and do you have uh, any tips that you could share for product people who are you know getting into product owners interviews and you know what they should know before uh, accepting any role of a product owner or also of a product manager uh, anything about uh, that you can share on interview and things they should know before getting into this domain sure um, i think it is very important to have clear expectations on what you are going to do in the company because the reality is interpretation of any of the roles will differ from company to company and you need to understand what is expected to, uh, from you and if it is what you want to do so i try to gain clarity on that and i want to understand if i am more on the execution or strategy because i am motivated by being involved in strategic decisions and being empowered by that if I am solely on execution, that's not for me. So what I, one of the first questions I ask, as I mentioned, is how do you define the roadmap? And I like questions about how, 
because how we walk you through i don't want to know what is in the roadmap i want to know how who is involved how often do you set the roadmap is the roadmap based on a timeline uh, like features and timelines or is it based on objective key results or how, how is it that defined does the management set it alone and throw over the fans to the teams or the teams are involved and then i want to know for example how is the product structure um how is the product organization set up do the pro, uh, do product owners product managers report to technical people or is there a product organization because if they are reporting to technical people is another sign that it's execution so you just need to be aware it will be focused on implementation if there's a product department there's a bigger chance that you will be more focused on strategic decisions so try to understand what is behind the curtains not only about the product as many times people try to understand what is the product about what is the target audience what am i going to work with but they forgot uh, they forget asking like the how questions how is the product team structured at all and for example another critical question are teams fully staffed or do they have like parallel initiatives in one of the place i worked because i worked in uh in 11 companies that's uh, and that's one of the, my learnings. I arrived there and I realized that I would be a product manager for a team, but the team was split with two other product managers. And then I actually, I got quite confused because we had to fight uh, with, for capacity because we had the shared team. And I didn't know that. If I had known that before, I would never ever accept. So I think on the interview, it's about learning. And another thing, this is uh, about you deciding if you want to change this challenge and having clear expectation. And the other is about how you can get prepared. And many people look at uh, common questions and so on, they try to prepare. And I try saying like, go a step beyond that. A step beyond for me is like, if you're gonna go for a B2C company, what about becoming a client of that company and trying out the service and then going from end to end and understand the whole journey and trying to make a suggestion in one of the places i worked for for example in the interview the guy told me like what do you know about our business i said i'm a i'm one of your cli uh, clients and actually i realized that your return process is really a pain in the ass because it is a nightmare i tried to return a bottle of wine about i had to talk to three people and none of them wanted to help me and on top of that my refund took three weeks to to come and that was not funny at all and i realized that canceling an order is a nightmare so can as a as a customer i thought I don't want to be on their side when uh, it's only about their end it's not about this and you say that you want to to be a customer centric company that was not my feeling so i want to come here and change that that's the reason i want to join you that's that's a great insight uh, i really loved it uh, and uh, like trying that product on your own and because that's that's the best way you can try and you know get to know the more about the product and where the shortcomings are and then like you going to the company and try to change it <laughs> and improve it 
so thanks for sharing that uh, as you shared about uh, some interview tips uh, that people should uh, can look at uh, what are some of the resources or books that you would like to recommend as well uh, for people uh, in the po roles or trying to get into po roles uh, i think uh, inspired by marty kagan is is one of the best books you can read you to have an overview inspired will give you the big picture what the role of a product manager is and then to have a like a glimpse or like what is getting hands on i think from melissa perry escaping from build trap that will help you understand the traps you face day in and day out and uh, if you want to get more insights i would even recommend also uh, story mapping jeff patton because that gives mm -hmm. you uh, hints about collaboration uh and just one more recommendation. This is more like on the entrepreneurial side, because mm -hmm. a lot is said a product owner or a product manager is the CEO of the product. Yeah. Um, I would say the truth lies somewhere in between. <laughs> I wouldn't go into that, but the, the entrepreneurial mindset is key to success, regardless if you are the CEO of the product or not, to have an entrepreneurial mindset is very important. So one of the books I really love it is called like uh, the hard things about hard things uh, from Ben Horowitz. Uh, mm -hmm. This is amazing to give you insights on the critical situations and then start thinking as an entrepreneur, not just as an employee. Yeah, I, I've read Inspired. I just love that. You can keep going back to it. I, I certainly keep going back to it. Uh, but I've pretty sure people will check out the other resources and books you mentioned. I will definitely check those out. Uh, and as we are on the learning topic, uh, I know your motto is the faster we learn, the faster we succeed. Uh, and you know, you focus a lot on sharing your learnings and also learning from others. Uh, so today, like we would like to know what has been your biggest learning of your career or even life. Uh, if you can share. The biggest learning of my career. Well, generally, what I learned is like the more I get to learn, I realize the less I know. That's what happens quite often. Yeah. But uh, the biggest learning of my career is like don't be afraid of trying out things, don't be afraid of failing, of getting yourself embarrassed. Because, uh, I used to be really a perfectionist and I am a big fan of quality and uh, I was afraid of failure. And what I learned is actually, if you're not failing, it means that you are not pushing hard enough. And unfortunately, I have to say you would be trapped in your comfort zone. And that is exactly where we hold you back from growing in your career because you need to continuously fail. So I, I failed many times. I, I, I don't even recall how, how many times, but every failure had something I learned there. So don't be afraid of exposing yourself and getting embarrassed because uh, only once you get the feedback and you learn something from that, you can change it. 
So try out new things and continuously learn from your results. And this is one of the biggest learning I had in my career. And, and when I look back, I was, I had many chance to settle down. Like I was in my hometown with my parents living there. I was a software developer back then when I received the offer to go to Sao Paulo. And back then I received an offer that the salary was something that my parents never ever made there. And I would have a great life. But I said, it seems too easy. And uh, I want to do something different. I don't want to be a software developer right now. I, I said, I, I want to grow. And then I moved to Sao Paulo to face the uncertainty. I had no idea what a product owner was and still I was there. And I exposed myself. Of course, I hit the wall several times. And then in 2017, uh, I was uh, being an assistant uh, MBA teacher. So I was replacing some of my professors. I was giving lessons. I, had, I was a senior product manager. And I was quite successful there in Brazil. I had a good life and so on. And then I received a chance of moving to Germany. And I had no idea what would happen if I would move here. So again, I exposed myself. I tried out different things, came to Germany and tried out. The same goes with article. Uh, as you said in the beginning, I, I increased my followership uh, significantly, but all started by exposing the first article and then the second and then the third and so on and so on. So sometimes uh, everyone wants to go to, uh, to get to the top of the mountain. And everyone imagine how hard it is to get to the top of the mountain because it's a lot of work, it's tiring, you need to walk a lot and you know it's hard. But what is holding you back is only the stone inside your shoe. You just need to remove the stone and take the first step and then the second and so on. Just try out things and keep moving. That's how you can evolve. And that is in product management and that's in life. Yeah, it has to start somewhere. I had similar thoughts when I was starting this, this podcast. Uh, I wanted to do it for a long time. I'm like, oh, I have to take that step. Let me just not worry how it's going to come out. Let let me just start doing it. And then I'll keep improving, keep learning as with every episode now. And obviously there are people, so many good people who are there to give me feedback on, you know, support me. And I'm pretty sure the journey that you shared is going to motivate a lot of people in whatever they are thinking today to do, to get just get started and not be afraid of, you know, what's in the future, but get started and, you know, start start facing it. And if there are failures, it's it's something good there. They, they're going to learn from it and they're going to keep improving from it. Uh, and on that note, thank you so much, David, for being with us today and sharing your experience. Before I leave, uh, where can people find and connect with you for people who haven't connected with you yet? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, David Pereira. You can find me on Medium, David Pereira as well. You can find everything about me and also free material, videos, and so on, my website, d-pereira.com. So, yeah, just connect with me. You can send a message, a LinkedIn, my website, and so on. I would be glad to exchange. Great. Thank you so much, David. And many thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. If you know someone you think we should interview, or if you would like to connect with me, drop me a line on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. 
I hope you have an amazing day. Stay happy, stay healthy, and be inspired.